Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. So welcome to another edition of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I'm Sarah, and really excited to connect with you again this week. This week, we're going to go back into the parenting sphere and then also focus on parenting children with illnesses or disorders, and in this case, very specifically with pandas' pans. So I wanted to bring this episode to you at this time of year because October 9th is Pandas Pans Awareness Day. So Pandas and Pans, I've talked about a lot on the podcast, interviewing different experts, different parents um, that have experience with Pandas Pans. Pandas is pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infections, and Pans is kind of the more umbrella term for pediatric acute onset neuropsychiatric syndrome. These disorders are very near and dear to me. I've talked a lot about my own family's experience with them, and I really wanted to try to get something out there this week that would focus on pandas and pans, and I have a great guest that is going to help me to do that this week. We know with these um, disorders that you can see symptoms exhibited like tics, OCD, anxiety, aggression, regression, and more. So today we are going to chat with a mother who is joining us who is now an author as well. And she is going to talk with us about a new book that she's written called The Parent Survival Guide to Pandas Pans, which is available now. So this mother is Deborah Marcus, and she's going to talk to us about her book and her experience. I also just wanted to take a minute to highlight all of the great work that is still happening in the Pandas Pans community around bringing attention to these disorders. In the U.S., there are a number of organizations working to bring attention and move the needle in terms of Pandas Pans, including Aspire. Uh, You can see their website at aspire.care. Last year for Pandas Pans Awareness Day, I had Gabriella True on the podcast, who is leading Aspire and did a great job to really talk about her experience with the disorders as well as what Aspire is doing. Also, there are a number of other organizations um, that you can, I'm sure, find through Google. Be great to look at. And then in Canada, we've also had a new organization come to light this year. It's called the Inflamed Brain Alliance. This organization is headed up by Marnie and Richard Deshane, who I also interviewed uh, probably a few years back now at this point on the podcast giving their um, parental experience with Pandas Pans. And so you can check out the website for Inflamed Brain Alliance. It's inflamedbrain.org. And take a look at some of the great initiatives that this organization is heading up in Canada. But I'm sure there's resources for everyone on there. Also, one of the neat things that they are doing this year is... Um, to bring awareness to Pandas Pans. And that's a landmark lighting campaign. So asking for specific landmarks throughout the country of Canada to light up red for Pandas Pans Awareness Day. I know there are a few that are going to be lit up red in 
Alberta. And then recently we've learned in Ontario, the CN Tower will light up red for Pandas Pans Awareness Day on October 9th. So, so much great work happening out there right now to bring attention to this. And I really hope that this continues and that, you know, maybe this podcast will add a little bit there. Um, I'll, do, I'll do what I can. So please join me in welcoming Deborah Marcus, who is going to talk about her experience in writing the Parents Survival Guide to Pandas Pans and again, help to bring awareness to Pandas Pans Awareness Day on October 9th. So welcome, Deborah, to the podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today. Thank you so much. Wonderful that you could be here. So why don't we start with you providing a bit of a background about you and your family and, and what led into your new book? Sure. Um, well, first, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm very honored and, and touched to be here. Um, so my name is Deborah Marcus, and I live in Austin, Texas with my husband of 17 years and our two teenage daughters. And I grew up in Boston and did my undergrad at Syracuse University and got my MBA at UNC Chapel Hill. And for over 20 years, I was actually in advertising and marketing and brand management. And for a while, I was even executive coach. And last year, I returned to my passion of acting and became an author. And becoming an author was actually something very unexpected when I think about it. Um, my daughter had published a book at the age of 11, and I thought to myself, well, if she can publish a book, mm -hmm. well, then I should be able to publish a book. And then I thought, well, what would I want to publish a book about? And it came to me immediately that I could use that book as a way to help other parents who are struggling with pandas and pans. Yeah, that's amazing. And so how did you come in contact with pandas pans? What, what is the story around your family and your experience with it? If you don't yeah, mind sharing. So, um, both of my kids actually developed pans from Lyme disease and other tick-borne illnesses about eight years ago. And oh, wow. one subsequently got pandas from strep a few years later. So we've been dealing with this illness for quite a while with both of my kids. It was actually in the summer of 2014 when my younger daughter's behavior really began to change and she started having stomach pains and eye pains. And we saw the pediatrician who then sent us to the ophthalmologist and then the gastroenterologist and infectious disease and then therapists. And it really wasn't until we spoke with another panda's parent that we were able to get direction we needed in order to get a proper diagnosis. Um, and then my second daughter's symptoms started maybe six months after the first. And at that point, we were pretty convinced we we knew what was going on. But it, it took a full year to get the diagnosis. Um, and if it wasn't for the gastroenterologist who actually tested my daughter for Lyme disease while she was getting an endoscopy um, and then told us to go see a, a Lyme literate doctor, uh, for the, you know, to review the results, which were indeterminate, I don't know that we would have figured this out as quickly. So I'm, I'm really grateful for the family friend that, you know, pointed us in the direction of pandas and pans, uh, and also that doctor who was really willing to test for Lyme disease. Yeah, wow, that's, that's really challenging. And it is such a difficult um, disorder, like, because you're right, it just, it can be missed so easily. And it's, I think, you know, there are so many different 
ways in which it presents. And there are so many different ways in which, especially pans, that that it can um, come to be. And so, yeah, it, it sounds that's something that I hear a lot is that people have come across a doctor or a friend, like there seems to be somewhere that sort of really starts them on the right path. And so I'm really glad, glad for you guys that you were able to, to find that. And so once you did receive a diagnosis, were you able to move to treatment easily? Or how did that path go? Yeah, so like I said, getting the diagnosis was really the hardest step. And I think a lot of people do struggle with it. um, Because Mm -hmm. what happens is they might see one symptom, and then they may misinterpret it as something. So a lot of people have children um, with eating disorders, or they're diagnosed with eating disorders, and they think it's just an eating disorder. But then what will happen is these other diagnoses will start piling up like anxiety and OCD, and then Tourette's. And, and what will happen is, one child will end up having multiple diagnoses from different doctors, and then they'll it'll come together for them at some point, most likely when they hear about pandas from another person um, that has spread the word that they realize, oh, wait a second, these are related. These aren't individual. These aren't separate. Um, And I think that's really what happens in a lot of the cases is this sort of piling of symptoms um, that then comes to a head. And it took us, um, you know, quite a while to get to the right um, Lyme literate doctor who is also a pandas physician in Connecticut. And once we saw him, he was amazing. I mean, he knew exactly what to test for. He um, was really knowledgeable about Lyme, the different types of tick-borne illnesses. He knew about mycoplasma. He knew about strep. He knew about pandas and pans inside and out. And he treats people all over the world. So um, I felt very comfortable. Once we saw him, it was almost like a a breath of relief, like, ah, we're going to get on the right track here. We're going to, we're heading in the right direction. And it was for the first time that you had that glimmer of hope that maybe, maybe the, this is going to turn around because for the longest time, you really feel like you're really in the depths. Um, It's really awful. The depths of hell, uh, it's really hard. Um, And it really tests your family, your marriage, um, your relationships. So having that glimmer of hope and, and getting on the right treatment path just felt so good. And it did take a long time. It's a lot of one step forward, two steps back. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to uh, get treatment. But I will say that the earlier a person gets treatment, um, the quicker they are more likely to heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm like, I'm really glad that you were able to find that doctor. I know here in Canada, it can be really challenging because, um, you know, we have less selection in, in the doctors that we work with. Um, and so sometimes it can be really difficult to kind of get referred to somebody that can help. But, um, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. Once, once that happens, it's, it's so much relief for the parent. And I know that your book focuses a lot on um, kind of the experience for the parent as well. And that was the biggest thing for me is kind of having somebody that I felt 
could actually um, manage the case, right? Where as a parent, when you said, like you said, you're having so many multiple diagnoses coming at you, it's like, how can you even manage all of these, right? Yes, um, and, yes. and so you need that help. And I think, um, you know, what you're doing here with your book is really important and, and makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, I've talked about it several times in on the podcast, but my son does have pandas. And um, he he started uh, with his symptoms maybe about the time, I suppose, a little bit later than than your children, but um, kind of a similar timeline. We've been dealing with it for quite a while. And um, I definitely can feel for you in, in your experience and how challenging that it is. Um. Why don't we get into a little bit more about that motivation to create your book and how you even set out in terms of such a large topic topic around a parent survival guide? Well, I realized when I um, when I reflected back on when this journey started for me, there really wasn't a lot of help out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some pages I you know Facebook was on the newer side for me. Um, there weren't a lot of people that knew about it. My pediatrician didn't know about it. So I thought to myself, um, how, if I was starting out all over again, what, what information would I want and in what format would I want it? And I felt like to provide parents with a very easy to read book that has all the information from, you know, recognizing what's going on with your child and, how to get the diagnosis and figure out all the different treatment options and then go beyond that to provide the support that we often don't have. Um, And I literally, I had this idea and I just sat down one night and just started writing and writing and writing and Mm -hmm. it just kind of flowed. Um, And then I would go back and, and then I'd say, Oh, you know, we need a chapter on this oh, wouldn't it be cool if I had a chapter on that? And then it just kind of continued from there. And then I spoke with another pandas mom, Melissa Nolan, and she and I met because of pandas. And she uh, has a journalism editing background. And I said, how could I make this bigger? How could I make it better? And we started meeting almost every Monday night. And she would give me ideas and suggestions. And then she went on to help edit the book. Um, And she really helped me even grow it bigger from there to make sure that I was incorporating what other moms might need to read or to hear um, to, to move forward. And I felt like it really needed to be all encompassing, letting people know, giving them permission to do self care. I think a lot of times as caregivers, we lose ourselves in this journey. Um, and when we lose ourselves, it's really hard to take care of everybody else and to take care of our relationships. So, um, I really leaned on that to, to help write the book. I think that the book is different also in the sense where it has a whole chapter where children who have this illness explain what it feels like to experience these pandas and pan symptoms and the impact that it's had on their lives. And why this is important is because what is OCD to one child is not necessarily OCD to another child or a parent might not think of it as OCD. And I think reading different examples um, and hearing these children in their own words helps parents, even the parents of these children, better understand what their child is 
going through um, so that they can help their own child. Um, It gives a lot of practical suggestions on how to deal with things like school refusal, hygiene issues, detoxing, and, and much more. I mean, a lot of things that for me, it was a trying to get this information was a lot of posting on pages and or coming across the information um, on a fa- you know a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. But being able to have a comprehensive place where it's all together, I think makes it easier and it becomes a reference. It has a very robust resource section to help parents get more information as well as has information in it that they can share with others who don't quite get it yet. Those who are, you know, Maybe a parent who doesn't quite believe the situation that's going on or doesn't quite understand it, and we need to get them on board and help them understand what this looks like. Um, and it really is the type of book that you're going to read and then refer to over and over again as new symptoms or challenges arise because this um, dis- this disease or this illness it does flux and change uh, over time. Your child may have one symptom today and a different symptom tomorrow at times. So it does provide you with guidance uh, and you can look things up in the index and look up your specific topic and go right to an answer. And I think that that's what we need. We need, we need as much help as we can get in one place because we're all very busy and it's very hard to get away and get help. Um, so to have a guidebook there, I think is really, um, I hope it's valuable to people. That's why I wrote it. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is such a disorder that it can be very all consuming. You know, like I know for myself going through so much research, going through so many different pages, just like, you know, you're constantly going down that rabbit hole of like, well, what about over here? What about this? What about this? Absolutely. And it's exhausting because you're also parenting. You're also parenting a child that's, you know, struggling at times, right? So, um, yeah, that seems like something that's really um, useful and smart to put together. And and you're right about the self-care. That's definitely something that I've heard from so many different um, parents that, you know, a big piece is getting burnt out, you know? Like, I remember for myself it was like I would go, go, go. And then I would almost have to like retreat a little bit for a while in terms of new treatments because the level of appointments and the level of like explaining and trying new things. And, and then for the child, like they get where they're, like you mentioned, detoxing or they're doing like all these different protocols and appointments too. And so it's, it's a lot for sure. That's it's difficult. Yeah. And it's also a lot for the siblings that don't have pandas and pans. And I really do try to um, provide guidance in the book on that too, because this uh, disease really impacts everybody in the family. It impacts the sibling relationship. It impacts the parent-child relationship. It impacts the parents' relationships. So um, I really try to address all of those relationships and provide some help or at least share what's worked for us um, to get through it and how do we, you know, help our non-pandas child deal with what their, their sibling is going through and how do we keep our family unit intact? 
Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you mentioned that the book, you tried to kind of be all encompassing. And I think that's wonderful, because there are so many different stories, there are so many different um, ways that it presents in different children. So I think that that's amazing. One thing that I did wonder is, um, and others might be wondering this is does the book focus on conventional treatment? um, Or do you have some alternative like treatments like homeopathy or where where do you kind of talk about what what you sought out and and if there's any any direction in there of what you've done yeah so um what i do try to do is provide a range of what treatment options are available out there so i Mm -hmm. do talk about traditional medicine meaning western medicine with antibiotics Um, we talk about ivig it brings up homeopathy, it brings up LDI, which is low-dose immunotherapy, Uh, it brings Mm -hmm. up functional medicine. So I do bring up a range of treatment options because there is a spectrum out there and what works for one child does not necessarily work for another. And that's the case with my children. In fact, my youngest child does great with antibiotics. My older child, not so much. So for her, it's more functional medicine the younger one, it's more antibiotic use. Um, we haven't had to do IVIG, so I can't speak specifically to it, but I've shared some thoughts on that. I do not go into great detail um, as to what treatment looks like specifically in terms of medicines or formulas mm-hmm. or things like that, because I am not a medical practitioner and I do encourage people to seek out help from a medical practitioner to provide that guidance that's specific to their child. But it does provide a lot of guidance in terms of what's out there so that people can know that there's options and um, they can get the right option for their child. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because also depending on which practitioners are available to you, you know, that can really... um, this could help people find out where to try next kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And you not had success. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you brought up a good point, which is that, you know, you may start with one type Mm -hmm. of treatment and then you may evolve to another or, and, or another. So Mm -hmm. we started with um, traditional medicine with my older daughter, and then we switched over to functional medicine to get her farther along. I know other people who have started with LDI and then moved to homeopathy. Um, Mm -hmm. So it really, I think it's important for people to know that you may start with one treatment, but that treatment may only get you certain distance in this journey. And you might have to switch to something else to bring you the rest of the way or to continue your progress. And that's okay. So I wouldn't think of it as it's one or another, but think of them as options um, along the journey. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Definitely. And we've experienced that as well, like different, different amount of success with different things and just kind of always trying to peel back and and see what's next. So I think I'm sure a lot of parents uh, will identify with that for sure. Um, One thing I know wanted to chat about is, I guess, how you see your book maybe, and and you've touched on it a little bit in terms of how you went about writing it, but how you're finding that it's different um, in in terms of, say, compared to some of the other books available on Panda's Pans or others that are parenting um, advice on parenting through illness? Yeah, so um, I think that the this book really does combine advice with stories in a way that helps you um, to relate 
and feel connected to a community and feel connected to um, others that are going through it. Hearing the child's voice, I don't think that that exists elsewhere. Um, And really just giving a lot of tips and tricks that I've learned along the way and things that are probably not even in a book, um, such as doing infrared saunas and exploring um, Epsom salt baths and using, you know, Advil or some sort of ibuprofen a couple times a day, three, four times a day um, for a couple of weeks to help reduce the inflammation. These are all little tips and tricks that often don't make it into the book, but they're so critical for the success of your child because doctors, they only have a certain period of time with you. And then they they say, okay, goodbye, I'll see you in three months. But there's mm-hmm. nothing out there right now that really can help you on a day-to-day basis. And I really wanted to be all-encompassing for that um, to make sure that you had something in your pocket um, that you could bring with you that you could refer to that you could help fill the gaps on so that when things come up, because you can't always just reach back out to the doctor and see them between those visits or get the information or get help. So I wanted it to be um, more focused in that regard. And it's not just one story. It's not just my story. Um, I took a lot of stories from others in the community and, and worked with others in the community to share their stories so that people could hear it not just from one person's point of view. Um, They could really hear it from a range of viewpoints. I think, yeah, that's absolutely great. And and then it it does get to more of that all encompassing piece when you're sharing so many stories together. So I think that makes sense. And the children's stories help to make it real. Um, You're right. Like I've heard of a lot of those things, maybe on the Facebook groups, like the saunas and, you know, Epsom salt baths and, and the Advil protocol and all of that type of things. But you're right. Like there's not that many books that really, um, touch on that, at least that I've, I've read. So that, that does seem great. Um, I wondered if maybe, and, and you mentioned a few here, but if there are a few of the tools that you would want to share that have been helpful for your family, um, and then even for you with regard, like you did mention to self-care, like if there are specific things that you would want to share with us. Sure. Uh, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of different tools and there's way more than I can probably even talk about here. So I'll share a few examples. Um, one of them that I brought up was this idea of do- detoxing. A lot of the physicians, they don't talk about it uh, as much as they really should. How when you're taking these medicines, whether it be traditional or functional or otherwise, your body often is um, it's battling the illness, right? And um, it's killing it off. And the detoxing allows, it's a method to help your body to uh, get rid of that illness or get rid of that, um, you know, that toxin out of your body faster. So the more we can help our children detox, the the better we can help them move along in the journey in a faster manner. And I, I found that a lot of uh, physicians weren't talking about that and it wasn't really addressed. So for us, we find that taking Epsom salt baths for 20 minutes, um, having activated charcoal, infrared sauna treatments, they're great supplements to any treatment to help Mm -hmm. the body in terms of getting rid of all these toxins. You just have to be careful um, that when you do these detoxing, that it's separated by about two hours from whatever your treatment is. Because, um, you know, if you're taking an antibiotic, you don't want to take that at the exact same time, because 
that will kill the detox and it actually won't get it out. So you got to separate it. Same thing if you're doing a probiotic and just making sure that that probiotic doesn't have um, a certain strain of, uh, of, of strep in it because some of the probiotics do. But when you take those, you have to separate them by two hours from a detox or from a medicine so that the it's not killing off what you're trying to put in that's good for your gut. Um, another thing that I think is helpful is to know that um, there are ways to help teach children how to swallow pills because I know that taking medicine can be a huge struggle for these children. Mine really didn't like liquids. So we taught them how to swallow pills and it was a big, big breakthrough. And I share a great training video um, link in the book and it helps the kids take caplets or tablets um, by using um, (laughs) candy. It teaches them how to swallow by increasing the size of candy that they're swallowing. So when I told my kids, Hey, do you want to learn how to swallow pills? And we're going to just use candy. I, they were all on board with that. Um, and then getting kids to take caplets or tablets that don't taste good, we will break them up and put them into clear capsules, which you can buy on Amazon or, um, some other stores, uh, health food stores, and you just clear capsules and you put them right in and then they don't even taste them. So if there's a negative taste that can help as well. Um, I have a whole chapter in the book that's dedicated to tips and tricks, and it focuses on everything from anxiety and sensory, attending school, how to help with sleep, rages, tantrums. Um, you know, a lot of the ideas I compiled from others in the community as well as are my own experience. And I will also say that bribery is not out of the question. <laughs> I'm always, mm-hmm. I'm always up for some good bribery. I tell a story in the book about how my daughter was having a hard time getting um, ready for school. And I told her if she got ready for school, then I would paint a big heart on my cheek for when I drove her to school. And um, I think she was, she was you know, toward the beginning of her journey nothing made her go faster. I mean, I rocked the biggest, brightest pink heart on my cheek that day, but it got her to school. So, um, you know, I know that all the moms out there will do anything to help their child. Um, and this is probably one of the hardest things you're ever going to go through. So I feel like every tip and trick that we can share as a community is just so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I I have seen there was a video that was focused on them swallow. They start with like a tic tac for swallowing the pills. Yes, yes. We we didn't have tons of success. I'll be honest. My son, we have done um, like a vitamin drink. We tend to do, and he hates it, but um, it is what it is. It's like the only way he'll do it. He likes liquid compared to the pill. But the veggie cap sounds interesting too. Well, you know, there are some kids that do prefer liquid and that's that's totally fine. And if they're having trouble with the flavor of liquids, you can also get the pharmacy to flavor them. So that can help as well for those who do want to continue with a liquid, but they don't like the taste. Yeah. Oh, no, that's a great idea. No, this sounds really practical. And I think that's what people need, right? Like it's, it is so challenging. There are so many different hurdles that you come across. Like even you don't think, you know, you go to the doctor, they're like, oh, get them to take this. You go home and then it's like, you don't actually, you can't get them to take it. So it's things like these suggestions that really help to really put it into practice. And, um, and, and probably, you know, you're echoing so many of the things that um, people are hearing from doctors, but also sometimes you forget, right? Um, You know, when you mentioned about the detoxing and the hours in between, like I know our naturopath has talked about that, but I know um, you get in the office and there's times that 
that then you're not remembering everything. So this seems like a great resource to go back to. Yeah, I also recommend that people when they go to their doctor's office that they bring a notebook with them. Mm -hmm. um, and that they use that notebook to not only track their appointments with their physician, but in between tracking symptoms, um, making sure you're writing down when you're observing symptoms, and then also tracking meds and whatnot, so that when you get in there, um, you can take the time with the physician instead of, you know, trying to think about well, what was the yeah. symptom and what did they take? You have it all right there organized. And therefore you can use that time really valuable, valuable time to talk about the child and, and where your child is at and what change in, you know, treatment you may need, or if it's a first visit, you know, examples of the different symptoms that the child is going through and you have it written out because it is very easy to get in there and then everything just kind of disappears. It's kind of like that, that um, example, have your arm hurts and you go to the doctor and then it doesn't hurt when you're in the office, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. You kind of forget or, you know, it's not there at the time. I also recommend that people take pictures or video of their children mm -hmm. um, when they're having episodes or flares, um, you know, when they're in the thick of it so that they can show the physician because the physician only sees what they see in the office. And if you can share with them a video of your child when your child, you know, really, um, you know, is having a, a big moment, it's easier for the physician to see what's going on. Or if you're sharing um, what you think is OCD or mm -hmm. anxiety, you can talk about it and share this video and it becomes more, it helps the physician even more so to properly diagnose your child. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you're right. Sometimes you get in there and, and it, well, it's just like similar comments that you get from even family members where they're like, oh, well, I saw him on the weekend and he's fine. And you're like, <laughs> well, no, like. <laughs> yeah, they're always on their best behavior at yeah. school or, you know, with mm -hmm. other people. Not always. I, I take that back. Some some children do struggle at school. Mine were very good at school, but the minute that they hit the car, it was like, all hell broke lo loose mm -hmm. and people didn't see outside of the home what I saw in the home. Mm -hmm. um, it was sort of like, what do you mean your child is sick? They look great. Not mm -hmm. sure. Not sure what you're talking about. So it comes as a big shock to many people when they do find out that there is an illness. And I think with pandas, it can be a hidden illness. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard for other people to grasp it or to believe it at times. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. Um, and then what about some of the self-care tools maybe that you've been using? Yeah. So I'm a big believer in self-care and I know, I will t say right up front, I know that it's hard. I know that it's hard to tear yourself away from the child, especially when you have separation anxiety or they have separation anxiety rather. Um, I know yeah. it's difficult and I know that these days are so long, but Self-care is so important. Um, I use the example of when you're on an, an airplane, right? And they say at the very beginning, in case of an emergency, put your own mask on first and let the oxygen flow before you put on your child's mask. And the same is, is the case here. So, you know, self-care can come in many different ways, shapes, and forms depending upon who you are. It literally could be five minutes in the bathroom having a good cry. 
It could be going for a walk. It could be doing exercise. Um, it could be listening to a meditation for five minutes or doing restorative yoga with or without your child. There's all different ways to embrace that self-care. I think what's really most important is that when you need help, you ask for it, um, that you really get help, whether it be your partner whether it be a family member that gets it or a friend that gets it or find another panda's parent in the area or in, um, you know, nearby that you can lean on um, so that you can help each other. Because this is, uh, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you're going to need your energy to get through it. And self-care, I think, is it's not selfish. Self-care is important for preservation purposes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And those are some really good practical ideas because I think people get in their head like, oh, when am I going to the spa? Like people, you know, oh, self-care is that kind of thing. And it's like, no, it's like, yeah, it can be just a couple minutes on your own or, you know, maybe doing even an errand that you have to do, but, you know, not taking your children with you just so that you can focus and, you know, take a, take a couple minutes. Um, so yeah, there's lots of different ways that it can look and that makes sense the bath or whatever it is that that you need yeah I mean I used to give my husband a heads up um he would contact me uh, on his way right when he's leaving work and he'd say how's it going and I'd say it was a rough day I need I need you to step in like the minute you get home so that he had time on his commute home to process whatever he needed to process and once he walked in the door you know I was able to take a break and let him handle things so that I could just have a little downtime. And, you know, and, and that downtime could be just me making dinner uninterrupted. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be like going off. It could just be, it could be something that you're doing, but you're doing it yourself. And it, maybe you're listening to music while you're doing it. It's literally time alone to be with your thoughts, to recharge, um, without having, the panda's child and or the sibling who's frustrated by the panda's child um, bringing you down and, and making it tough. And I know that these are all hard suggestions. I recognize that um, because I'm in the same shoes as every panda's parent, but I do think it's incredibly important to, to get through this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the things that I've over the years kind of appreciated more about Panas and Pans is that I often feel, and and I'm a bit of a control freak, I guess I would say, I often feel like behind the eight ball on managing it. Like you, I always feel a bit reactionary because you don't necessarily always see the flares coming, right? You don't necessarily know when you're going to end up in that situation. And so it makes self-care so important because if you've been investing in yourself, even in the times when things are going well, then it's going to pay off when you get into that crunch time as well, where you're just like, kind of go, go, go with appointments and trying to, you know, help your child as much as you can. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's Absolutely. just something. Yeah. I, I but, think what, what you're, what you're suggesting is a really great idea, which is really doing self-care daily. Yeah. So, you know, so that you never get to the point where you're completely depleted because you don't know when you're going to need that energy. So if you continue to practice self-care, you're going to have reserves 
to help you get through whenever that bad moment hits um, or bad days hit or bad weeks hit. Um, it's just that that ability to um, take care of yourself for for not just today, but tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that makes sense. Um, so I guess before we wrap up, are there any other key pieces of advice or tools or anything else related to the book that you would want to share? Yeah, I think that really the first and most important step for parents is to find a pandas and pans specialist if they can. I know that this is going to be harder in some areas in some countries, in some places, um, there are some great resources out there on Pandas Network as well as uh, the Aspire website where they do have um, a resource where you can put in where you live and they will provide names of Pandas and Pan specialists that are near you to reach out to. And the reason why this is really important is because it's a really huge uphill battle trying to convince a doctor to treat something that they are not familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting the right practitioner, even one that may not take insurance, if you're from the U.S., it's going to save you time, it's going to save you money, and it's going to save you a lot of tears in the long run. Because if you spin your wheels with a lot of different doctors who don't know um, this illness, nor how to treat it, it's going to take you a lot longer. And really, time is of the essence in trying to get your child back and in trying to get your child healthy. So the quicker you can see a specialist who knows what they're dealing with and can help you unpeel all the layers, um, I think that that's important. You know, when we started, we knew we didn't know what we had exactly, but once we figured out, okay, it's Lyme, and then we figured out, okay, now there's some tick-borne illnesses. Well, we also had other things there. We had mycoplasma. We had mold. We had no ab- yeah. idea about that was down the line. Um, candida issues. So these are all different um, illnesses that can layer on top of not only strep, but your base illness. And you need a practitioner that's going to be able to peel back all those layers and treat all the different illnesses and really strengthen your child's system so that they can fight and move forward beyond pandas and pans. And and I know um, it can be challenging, um, but I think that working with the right practitioner really makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And and you no, you're totally right. It can be really hard to find and and uh challenging for sure, but yeah, that guidance is is wonderful. And and yeah, we were similar like had um, you know, experience with mold then as well and and that was kind of another piece of the puzzle and uh we're using LDI. Um so, so a lot of the things that you've mentioned um, yeah. definitely ring true with us. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, um, I think also joining support groups, go mm-hmm. on the Facebook pages, get a support group, get a place where you can vent a place yeah. where you can say, Oh, I had the worst day. And here's why. And I just need to get it off my chest because I guarantee you there'll be tons of other parents who are going to write you back and say, hang in there. You got this. I got your back. I'm here for you. And some days that's all we really need. Um, it's really hard to do this alone and no one, no one should have to go through this alone. 
Yeah, no, that the Facebook groups are a great way to find that community because in your community, you may not know anybody, right, that is dealing with this. And so um, totally agree um, as well. So how can listeners find out more about you, um, purchase the book, where are you on social media? So, yeah, um, well, you can find the book, uh, The Parent's Survival Guide to Pandas and Pans, on Amazon as well as Barnes and Noble. There's a paperback as well as ebook versions currently available. And um, this podcast comes at a really good time because I've been working on an audiobook version for the past six months and it's going to be launching in the coming weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, and it will also be available on Audible and iTunes as well as Amazon. So it's coming. I know I've been uh, asked by quite a few people for it because I know that especially a panda's parent doesn't have a lot of time to sit and read. So mm-hmm. this audiobook should provide that gap for those who aren't able to to do that. Um, and then in terms of myself, you could find me on most of the pandas and pans, um, Facebook pages. You can look me up there, message me if you have any questions at all. I can also be found on Instagram at dmarcus66. That's great. Okay. And that audiobook sounds wonderful. That's a great mm-hmm. idea. Um, because you're right, sometimes you can maybe have it on and in the background or the car or whatever, while you're still doing all the many things. That's great. Yeah, and it was honestly the community that asked for it. I hadn't even considered doing an audiobook, never did an audiobook before. Mm-hmm. Um, and people in the community said, Gosh, is there an audiobook? I could really use an audiobook. And then 30 other people said, I could really use an audiobook. So I said, Well, mm-hmm. I learned how to write a book. So now I guess I'm going to learn how to do an audiobook. And um, yeah. so I, thanks to the community, we're going to have it soon. That's great. Oh, wow. That's a good response for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know we're coming up on Pandas Pans Awareness Day, October 9th. And so I really wanted to get more information out there. Last year, I did um, a focus, like a month-long focus on Pandas Pans. And and I've interviewed many different uh, practitioners in between. So um, I just thought it would be great to really bring it to light at this time of year again. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I am just so appreciative. And I hope that um, this podcast, as well as the book, provides all the parents out there the information that they need. And I hope together we can create awareness, better awareness of this illness, and hopefully get, you know, um, the community together to push for some resolution and some cures because it's a really tough illness and uh, hopefully eventually it'll be eradicated. Yeah, absolutely. And, and an easier time for parents would be great, right? Yeah. <laughs> more, more treatment options and things. But, oh gosh, uh, that, that would be nice. <laughs> you know, um, I'll just say I, I uh, have a friend, Melissa Nolan, who she's my editor, but she also just, um, she just launched her own book called Somewhere Out There. And this book is all different stories um, of people who are sort of farther along in the journey. And it's really great in the sense where it provides hope for those who are really dealing with despair. Um, and I wrote a poem that's in that book that um, is titled Grateful. And I, I think it will resonate with a lot of parents and give them hope for the future. Oh, that's great. That's another great resource for us to look out for. So thank you so much. Have you read my novel Pendulum by S.E. German yet? 
If not, what are you waiting for? And if you have, I would love to hear from you. If you don't know about Pendulum, it's a heartwarming story about a young boy who starts to experience neuropsychiatric symptoms after an infection. We follow the boy as he goes through many regular, real middle grade issues like moving, having a crush, playing sports, also while experiencing neuropsychiatric symptoms like anxiety, OCD, tics, panic attacks, and more. If you're interested in checking out Pendulum by S.E. German, it is available through Amazon Worldwide, where you can even see a preview of the book, or you can listen to chapter one, which is on episode 64 of the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. I hope you enjoy the novel, and thanks for your support. Thank you so much to Deborah Marcus for her time today and her wonderful insights on her experience with Panda's Pans and why she really moved to create the book, The Parent's Survival Guide to Panda's Pans. It sounds wonderful. I think it's a great collection of information that, you know, as parents, it's often all over the place. And it seems like she's done a wonderful job to package that together for us to make it useful, to make life a little bit less stressful. Again, if you'd like to buy the book, she said it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and that audiobook sounds great that's coming. You can follow her on Instagram at dmarcus66. And also, um, she did mention another book by Melissa Nolan called Somewhere Out There that's also available on Amazon. I myself wrote a book um, and released it in 2021 called Pendulum by S.E. German. That is more of a middle grade fiction novel, so not this nonfiction kind of drama, but looking at Panda's Pans from the perspective of an 11-year-old boy and what life is like with this disorder. So again, you can feel free to buy that, which is also available on Amazon as well. I did want to also highlight some of the episodes that I've done on Panda's Pans on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast because I know that you may come across this episode and think, oh wow, I'd like to learn more and the podcast is really a free way to do that. There's been a lot of wonderful experts, parents that have given their time over the last few years to speak with me and I just would love for you to be able to dive more into some of those episodes um, so that you can keep learning or maybe find somebody else that you're interested to connect to uh, through the podcast. So one of them that I would draw your attention to is episode 50, Panda's Pans Fundamentals with Dr. Scott and Dr. Alan Antoine. Also, episode 52, A Parental Perspective of Panda's Pans. That's with Marnie and Richard DeShane. In episode 55, I talk about my book, Pendulum by S.E. German, and do a Q&A. Then in episode 59, I talk with Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge on treating pandas, pans, and Lyme. In episode 64... I talk about some of the Pandas Pans options that I was looking into at the time. It's more of a personal episode, but then also read chapter one of my book, Pendulum by S.E. German. And then in episode 65, I talk with Dr. Jennifer Baer about homeopathic treatment of pandas and pans. 
Then last October 2021, I did a four-part series on Panda's Pans for um, October to bring awareness to Panda's Pans. So episode 87 is I Am Not Alone, Panda's Pans Awareness Day 2021 with Gabriella True, which I mentioned at the top of the uh, podcast. Episode 88 was Brain Inflamed with Dr. Kenneth Bach. Episode 89 was Break the Mold with Dr. Jill Krista, where we learned about how mold can really be a big piece in Panda's Pans. And then in episode 90, I did a recap of a lot of what we had learned and then some of my own personal reflections as well. And then I had another episode in the beginning of 2022, episode 103, supporting pandas, pans, and chronic illness naturally with Erin Darling. So honestly, just going through all of that, I'm a little overwhelmed of the number of conversations and like I said, experts and parents that have given their time in order to spread awareness of these disorders and the challenges that go along with them. So again, please do what you can on October 9th. I'll be wearing one of my um, Pandas Pans Awareness Days hoodies. I have three now, so pretty um, excited of which one I'll pick. Maybe I'll just wear one each day of uh, the weekend. And then um, bringing awareness through um, putting things up on social media that day, of course. And then Like I said, look for some of those buildings that will be lighting up and feel free to even just spend a few minutes on a website learning a little bit more about Panda's Pans um, so that you can know what to look for with your own children or adults. It's also um, a disorder that is um, prevalent in adults as well. And also being able to have awareness for those people that you know that may be um, working their way through these uh, disorders. So thanks again, and I hope you have a great week and are able to bring awareness on October 9th for Panda's Pans Awareness Day. Are you interested in having a published author speak in your classroom or at your community event? I'd be interested in speaking about my new novel, Pendulum by S.E. German, the writing process, mental health, Panda's Pans, podcasting, and more. Contact me at reallifeprojectco at gmail.com for both in-person and online bookings. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind, this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can follow me on social media, Instagram and TikTok at Sarah Lady Gluten or Facebook, Sarah underscore Gluten Free Lady. You can also visit my website, which includes author information, speaking information, and more info on the podcast at www.se hyphen german.com. If you like the podcast, please feel free to review the podcast on your favorite platform and also subscribe because it means that it will show up for you every week on your favorite podcast platform. Also, we've just started to have the ability to support the podcast. You can find this link in my Instagram bio or visit Kofi ko fi dot com slash learning to slay the beasts. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. Mm-hmm.